0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 235 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening in our normal, traditional time slot, and joining me, as he often does, Scott Coleman is here. Hello, sir.
1: Hey, Brad. Good to be on. An enjoyable Sunday afternoon for, for Braves baseball, and uh, lots to talk about, so it should be a good one.
0: For sure. And by the way, if you missed it, uh, I believe it was on Wednesday, Eric Cole, our uh, our favorite other co-host, Took the reins and uh, interviewed Grant McCauley, 680 the fan. That was a fun conversation, so if you missed that one, check it out. And I, you also had me coming on to uh, deliver the quick post-mortem after the uh, Soroka injury before that. So if you missed anything from earlier in the week, check it out. But plenty of news and stuff to get to, as well as a very, very fun Sunday that you alluded to there for the Braves with a nice, uh, nice little sweep over the Phillies. Um, news-wise, we'll just breathe through some stuff here. Will Smith is back, slash debuting. He made his debut actually uh, over the weekend. That was good to see. Uh, he was activated officially on Thursday um, with Alex Jackson going back to the minors. And by the way, we have to bid farewell—at least for now—to Scott Schebler. Uh, quite yeah. a run, quite a run for Scott Schebler, who was uh, acquired <laughs> and then DFA'd without really doing anything whatsoever. So yeah. there you go.
1: I had I had no idea he was even on the active roster. I really I knew they had added him, but I didn't realize he was on the roster. I thought he was on the whatever we're calling it, the Gwinnett shuttle team. So, uh, yeah, R.A.P. Scott Shoveler. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe later in the year if something goes horribly wrong.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, other than that, uh, Chris Martin is on the IL now with, and I quote, an esophageal constriction. Uh, that does not sound fun in any way, shape, or form for Chris Martin. Hopefully he'll be okay in the near future. The uh the Braves recalled Sabatka, who was then optioned again, and then he kept he was actually still on the roster today as the 29th man. So Sabatka has been the guy that's gone back and forth, back and forth. Um in addition to the Martin injury, uh the Braves claimed Robbie Erlin off waivers from Pittsburgh, uh and then he was activated. He's a 29-year-old, by the way, a left-hander. Uh, not great numbers career-wise, but actually a mid mid threes FIP if you want to believe in that. Uh, last year he got up to death, um but someone who's not like completely useless and might be an interesting bullpen arm. Any reaction to that other than the fact that Chris Martin? Uh, we hope we hope you feel better.
1: Yeah, that, that's a freak injury. Whatever happened to Chris? I hope he's okay and uh, hopefully he's back in another week or so. uh Robbie erland I think there's a little bit to like there. He kind of has the Josh Tomlin mold, a guy who isn't necessarily going to strike you out, but he's also not going to walk you. The stuff isn't great, but he's going to pump strikes, and if you hit it, great, and if you don't, then he gets through innings. So uh, we've talked ad nauseum for the last couple months about how important depth is this year, and he's a guy who's been around really for a while now. When I was looking him up, I didn't realize he's been around since 2013 and had a stint with the Padres and the Pirates, as you mentioned. Um, Again, nothing nothing earth-shattering. I don't think he's going to necessarily be slotted in for – uh starts anytime soon or in a in a key bullpen role but doesn't have to take a chance he's had a couple of nice years his best year was probably 2018 when he made a uh, 12 starts and 39 appearances all together so uh kick the tires for uh you know a waiver claim like that and see if there's something there
0: yeah totally fine with me and uh worth a shot to have someone outside the organization with a couple of options that are not i would say ideal already in the pool of players so yeah sign me up for that if he's bad you can just part ways and that'll be the end of that um the other news item on the pitching side is that Cole Hamels reportedly was throwing from about 100 feet away and is hoping for a bullpen session by early next week. Obviously, he is not eligible to return from the IL until September, or at least early September. But uh, fingers crossed, I suppose, I'm, not, I'm sort of on record as expecting nothing from Cole Hamels uh-huh. at this point. I think you, I think you kind of have to, but there is a world in which he helps you in three or four weeks. And if he's on track, that's not a bad thing.
1: No, I don't think anybody's necessarily holding their breath. And again, realistically, if he is able to come back in any capacity in September, it will have been roughly 11 months since he's thrown a competitive pitch (laughs) to major league hitters. So um, who knows? Maybe if he is able to give the team anything in September, if they get to the playoffs in October. But um, again, I I think with Hamels, you just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Hopefully he's able to give you something. But I I would assume they're kind of moving forward as if they're not expecting a whole lot from him.
0: Yeah, I think I think you, you kind of have to, but uh, maybe he'll surprise. And uh, again, you know that investment was a short one, so not not the, not the end of the world if you can't get anything from him. Obviously, it'd be helpful without Mike Soroka, and we will not talk about that again tonight. I, I'm sure we all agree that was brutal. Um, but uh, moving on from there, as uh, they're trying to patch this thing together in the rotation. Uh, by the way, ha- had an opener essentially today, <laughs> which yeah. we'll talk about later <laughs> on. Uh, I know it was a doubleheader, but uh, that might be the strategy moving forward. Um, Last thing on the news side before we get into some game stuff and some takeaways, et cetera, uh, it's more of a baseball wide one. Uh, The Cardinals are still not playing baseball. Um, The Cubs and Cardinals got 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 postponed all weekend after some more positive tests from the Cardinals. Um, As of Friday, it was nine players and seven staff, and it might even be expanding from there in the last day or so for the Cardinals. And they've already postponed. Their next series against Pittsburgh, which is supposed to start tomorrow on Monday, um, so when they when they come back, if they do come back in the next couple of days, they'll be out for about two weeks without playing, and they'll have fifty five games remaining essentially. Uh, the Cardinals have not played in a long time, um, so more than anything, it's just like another reminder that this is also perilous. But also, baseball has acknowledged that some of these teams might not get to sixty. Obviously, the Marlins are playing again; um, they're still you know way behind, but they at least have a path to get there. The Cardinals. I don't really see a realistic path for them to play 60 games this year. Uh, I know they're going to try to play some doubleheaders and stuff when they get going again, if they do get going again. But this is kind of just the reality that uh, there will be a team or two, it might even be more than that, that have way, way fewer games than 60. And the Cardinals seem to be the number one case for that right now.
1: I, I really don't know what Major League Baseball is going to do. Because best yep. case, if if the Cardinals are able to play next weekend on Friday, they will have played five games. I mean, you think about this season, it's flying by, but... You know, five games was the second game against the Tampa Bay Rays for the Braves. And everything that's happened since then, <laughs> imagine if they'd been sitting on the couch
0: since then. Right? Yeah, five, five games in like three and a half weeks, I think, yep. at that point in time. Yeah.
1: I mean, from a player perspective, I don't know how you keep your pitchers fresh. You can only stay so crisp when you're throwing bullpen sessions and live batting practice and all of that. Um, And again, as you said, there's just mathematically, even if you try to work in a double header into every series, and I don't see why other teams would want to go for that. It's not their problem that the Cardinals broke all the rules and are having to be on the sidelines for two plus weeks. Um, I I don't know what baseball is going to do again if they're in the playoff hunt. and, And again, they're a pretty solid team. I don't know what you do if they finish the year with 48 games and they're in contention with a team that's played 60 uh, what do you do i mean do you go by win percentage i would imagine the team that uh played 60 games might not love that and again it, it's a sticky situation but um i for the cardinals sake i hope they're able to even if their full roster isn't they're able to use some of their their taxi squad their player pool maybe sign a couple of free agents like the marlins have done just to be able to feel the team um and, and see what happens but yeah pretty uh, pretty ugly all the way around
0: yeah, and uh, hopefully baseball continues. Hopefully the Cardinals get this thing fixed out and uh, sort of figured out, I should say. And uh, yeah, lots of questions to be answered on the schedule. And I think even if they get all the way to the end here, you're going to see the Cardinals play less than 60 games. And just like figuring out what that means in the standings uh, is a question. So we'll see yeah. what they do. And uh, I know I, for one, trust Rob Manfred implicitly. So <laughs> that'll be that'll be just great. An, uh, Go ahead an and figure that out, record. Rob. Yeah, impeccable yeah. record. Godspeed. Godspeed yep. to Rob. Um all right, let's get into the games. Um we're gonna start with basically Thursday, since we did have a podcast Wednesday night with Eric and Grant. Um Thursday is a good jumping off point because uh it was the it was the return of Marcakis, uh who hit fifth in the lineup against a right-handed pitcher. And the more uh that was not surprising to me in any way. People were outraged I was I was not. I think it's not that bad and also not surprising. So whatever. Um but the other thing that was actually noteworthy that continues, I think, to right now is that Brad Sticker sort of pulled the trigger on removing Ender Ciarte from the uh, lineup, evening us to righty. Now, I famously kind of went back and forth with Eric a week ago in kind of defending Ender. Um, with that said, Ender was really bad again this week, and the uh, the clock is ticking. And I will, I will acknowledge that even as someone who was uh, relatively pro-Ender on that podcast. Um, yeah, I'll just say that right now. He's been pretty bad. Uh, and with that said, after the game... Snicker said, and I quote, I quote might just roll with this for a while. End quote. And that that basically means Adam Duvall playing against right-handed pitching with Acuna in center field and and Markekis in the corner outfield spot. Um, as before, we get into all of this. Ender's numbers are putrid. He has a sub 230 slugging right now. He has a 57 57 WRC plus a sub 200 batting average. It's been quite bad. He did play today in the first game, although I am inclined to believe that's just because it was a doubleheader and they didn't want to have everybody sit and everybody play back-to-back games. But, you know, when Snickers says, I'm going to roll with this lineup, I think think I'm going to believe him. And while it might seem crazy, it's not that bad considering how bad Ender has been.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I I think with Ender, again, we know how good the glove can be. And he, he hasn't been excellent I think his defense as he's starting to get a little bit older has certainly taken a bit of a step back since the yeah. guy he was when the Braves yeah. first got him and again he was an other world defender in 2017 uh, when he was a gold glover um, and again right, he, right after I
0: argued on his, on his behalf last week he came out and had a really bad week of defense for him which yep. was not ideal yeah. timing <laughs> yeah I mean again
1: it's, it's not you know games aren't pinned on one play but I think he dropped what ended up being the go-ahead run for the Blue Jays in a game they lost earlier in the week. And, and, again, you don't want to point blame on him for one play that most center fielders probably don't even make. But, again, if, if the defense is not pristine, I don't know why you bother playing Hender because he has been, I mean, truly lifeless at the plate. I mean, it, it, you could just – it looks like he's swinging a pool noodle right now. He's not driving balls. It's not a case of, well, he's hitting the ball hard. It's not one of those kind of Dansby Swanson slumps where he's just lining the ball all over the place and he's just having bad luck um there's nothing to like in Ender's batted ball profile um and again if because you have some other options in the outfield right now with Marcakis back, Alan Duval's having a great time, um Ozuna, Cunha, I, I don't see how you play him right now and I and I think I tweeted on uh Sunday afternoon it's like you got to get this guy off the field. Ender had a truly lifeless at bat in a key key spot and thankfully it didn't end up costing the Braves a game but um he looked like he was completely lost and he just can't have that In a shortened season like this
0: yeah i mean obviously i like the glove um it's valuable in center field but when you do have a community that can play center field uh that makes it makes life easier and just as a point of comparison here we've all pointed the fact that you know adam duvall has has a platoon split he definitely does but adam duvall has a career 90 wrc plus against right handed pitching which is not good but it's probably as good as ender is right now or better (laughs) yeah um So it's not a situation where you're giving up like a complete nothing. And Adam Duval's been good against lefties, especially this year, which that's what he's there to do. Um, but Adam Duval, if you assume that Adam Duval is going to be that guy, which is a you know below below average but not terrible hitter against righties, you can kind of take some safety in that versus what Ender is giving you. And you still have Ender if you need him. Uh, obviously, the, the Pache question is out there. Um, that's been a talking point already quite a bit. I think if Pache wasn't banged up early and maybe if there wasn't some contract considerations, all that stuff, you might see him at some point in the near future. But even then, you still might be better off with Duvall. If Duvall's hitting having Duvall, Marquez, and Acuna in the outfield is probably your best alignment right now. If we assume that Ender is just this guy now, I still want to believe that Ender might be able to find something, but I also totally understand not giving him a chance to do that now. You've probably seen enough in, in, in this short season. When Snicker says, and by the way, Snicker loves Ender and kind of always has, so if he's going to give up on you, that that's kind of a sign that it might be time for Ender. Huh.
1: Yeah, and again, nothing says that you couldn't go back to him, but... yeah. Whether you want to believe in the hot hand fallacy, if the guy's seeing the ball well, whether it's all just luck, whatever it is, um, clearly Adam Duval. every time Adam Duval plays, it feels like something good happens. And I think because you have that option, you have to roll with it. If if you truly had no one else, you you just hide Ender in that ninth spot, which you can do a little bit because of the DH. You don't worry that, that about it. That happened today. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. In the early I mean, game. If you, have, if you have a pitcher out there, it's hard. Because then you, you're you really giving up two of your nine outs, the way he's going and. There's some other holes in the lineup right now, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, again, you you have a little more flexibility with the DH and you can hide him there, but again, you have to get something out of him, especially if if he's the guy batting in front of the top of the order, which is so good. Um, and, and again, if, if Duvall's playing the way he is, and everybody else, Markakis has looked pretty good uh, since coming off the uh, since returning. I, I don't see a way to really get him regular at bats right now.
0: Yeah, and that's I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, people reacted today. When Ender started the first game, as if maybe he was going to be back. And my first reaction was, I, I, I'm inclined to believing what Snicker said about rolling with Duvall and Marquez. And because it was a doubleheader, it kind of gives you the cover to play Ender. And yeah, if you have a doubleheader, put him in there. Or if, you know, every once in a while, you might, you might want to play him to keep him fresh. But uh, I think the primary look now against uh against right against especially against lefties of course but against righties is, is probably going to be Duvall and that's uh that's okay with me even though I would have uh told you told you differently a couple weeks ago I'm all right with it now yep. given yeah, what it looks like I mean I, um, I
1: sit on opening day after Ender I think in one inning track down two balls in the opposite gaps and I said you know it's going to be hard to take Ender out of this lineup because the defense has been really really good well two weeks later surprise here we are saying it's hard to really find ways to get him in there regularly
0: yeah it's interesting uh to be sure um as for Marcakis, by the way, of course, he had, the, uh, he had the walk-off home run on the first pitch on Thursday evening against a right-handed pitcher, and surprise, that's what he does well. Uh, people were like trying to dunk on us for some reason about that, and I was like, wait, that's if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, especially lately, I couldn't have been more on the record about how he helps you against right-handed pitching, and that's yeah. what happened in that spot. Like He's good at that. But- um, and, but that was cool. It was good to see him get, uh, get that knock early on. Uh, he is three for 13 with a walk so far. So not lighting the world on fire, but he's been fine About a league average bat so far. That's what you want. of Archaikis. And, uh, yeah, I mean it, it was a fun moment to be sure and uh the notion that we're all rooting against him is is funny because that's just no. not the case. Um Foolish. Yeah. We, we want we want him to do well even if it makes us look silly sometimes. I'm totally fine with that. But uh yeah, that's my only reaction to that was like, yeah, good. Uh when, when he has right-hand pitching, that's what you want him in there for. That's what his strength mm-hmm. is and he did it. So cool.
1: Yep. No, I mean again, against righties, it makes all the sense in the world. He puts up a good at bat. Uh, showed some power which was good and the pitch yep. he hit out was not a, a good a bad pitch by any no reason. that was that was not,
0: that was a nice swing
1: yep went down and got it and he crushed it um I, I do want to say his uh his celebration he kind of did some little like i don't even know jazz hands that was his, that was
0: hysterical i love yep.
1: that yeah all that. the guys were jumping up and down around the uh around home plate and um yeah it was it was a lot of fun so that was a good way to kind of wrap up uh what was a very very good night from tukey and he didn't get tukey the win but to Uh, wrap it up there and not go to extra innings where things have gotten weird this year was really good.
0: Yeah, and we should talk about Tukey for a second. Uh, obviously, he had nine strikeouts, six and two thirds. Uh, I was kind of stunned that he left him in as long as he did in the seventh. Um, as a point of reference, there it didn't bite them too badly. Um, but Tukey was good, man. It, and obviously, uh, I was talking on Twitter even when two uh, old friend of the program, Carlos Colazo. Uh, Tukey was my original prospect love. He's been he was my guy. Like not quite to the level of uh, Eric and Soroka, but Tukey was always the guy that I would highlight as my guy. Um, it's faded a little bit, but the fact that he is still has that repertoire, he, he just looked fantastic. If you didn't know he had yeah. been struggling for a while, you would have thought that that was the prospect that we all kind of thought might happen. And, again, it's one yeah. game, but uh, it was really, really fun to see him look like that and give you some optimism because, obviously, the Braves need all the help they can get right now in the rotation.
1: Yeah, I mean, when he has his pitches working, when he's pumping the fastball and hitting a spot, and we all know how good the curve is, and the splitter is really, really effective against lefties, uh, that's been the thing for him so far. He's been almost in a, unhittable for righties, but lefties have really hit him hard, and he's had some control issues with them. Um, you know, Tukey's always kind of been a tease because the last two years we've seen him just with filthy stuff, which has hitters shaking their heads because they have no idea what to do, and then there's nights where he either isn't finding the zone or nothing is moving and he's getting pounded. So uh, a really good sign, as we know, the rotation is going to need some young guys to step up, whether it's Tukey, whether it's Kyle Wright, Um, A few others, but we'll talk about the opener they used today. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was was an awesome performance, as as locked in as he has ever been, and and hopefully he's able to continue it uh, moving forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a good place to end on that because there was the the rain out on Friday. So we'll pause here for a break to hear from the old sponsors. We'll, We'll be right back with stuff from Saturday, Sunday, and beyond.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
0: All right, Scott, let's talk about Saturday, uh, the least favorite uh, night slash game of the uh, of the weekend. Um, they were not supposed to win necessarily. It was like one of those toss-up games in Las Vegas with uh, Wright against Derek Arrieta. Um Wright had a good had a good day other than a four batter stretch in the fourth inning. He gave up a home run followed by two more base runners and then another home run. Um, so you can't say it was a good day because he still gave up four runs, but there was a lot. There was a lot to like about Wright, and there's also a lot, a lot to not like about that little stretch. Um, I thought it was a good bounce back from him to get through the fifth and the sixth without any further damage. That's a good sign they didn't just implode as a young guy there. Um, but what do you make uh, of what you saw there? And obviously, he gets another chance in the rotation because he's just going to be around yeah. until he's not. But uh, I liked what I saw for the most part.
1: Yeah, me too. He he's so close. We watch him pitch. The stuff is good. Uh, the the breaking balls move well. He he generally locates his fastball pretty well. Every now and then he'll be a little inconsistent and it'll fly off um, against uh, left handed hitters. But I'm with you. I think because of the week we had with losing Mike Soroka and the in the rotation being what it is, I think this was a normal year. And Wright goes six innings and gives up four runs. And as you said, it was really pretty good every other every other batter except for those that quick little stretch it went from you know zero to 100 really fast for him um but again i I think he shows you that clearly he has the stuff to get big leaguers out uh you hope that he's able to to be a little more consistent because so far the the theme and he's only made a handful of starts but you know in tampa bay he was good and then he had one thing that got away from him wasn't able to work through it I, i think we're finding that as he continues to get reps at the big league level and hopefully he's able to get out of those jams uh, he's only going to get better. I think at this point you have to continue giving him every chance because uh, he gives you a chance to win when you whenever he takes the mound. And uh, I think the upside there to be a middle-of-a-rotation guy is there. It's just going to be a matter of him learning how to navigate big league lineups a second and third time.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, young guys, you have that fear always that you, you like them the first time through and then maybe they get shelled the second time through. Again, that's why I was encouraged that he managed to bounce back after the after the hiccup in the fourth. But we'll see more of him, obviously. And honestly, even if he was fantastic on Saturday, they would have lost because they didn't score. Uh, the, <laughs> the Braves yeah. had five had five brace runners in nine innings on Saturday, and uh, all four hits on the night were singles, including two from Maria in the ninth spot. So the offense just had had nothing um, on that on yeah. that night. So uh, that's a good thing, I think, just the fact that um, you know if they had lost that game, I don't know, eight to seven because Wright blew up, it would have kind of felt more dismal um but even if, even if every i been great they would have lost so it's okay yeah. uh those yeah. nights happen, uh, and i think i was uh, overall encouraged hmm. by what we saw despite the uh, offense because yeah sunday yeah. it was more fun uh, much
1: better yeah saturday night was frustrating to be sure it was one of those games i, I didn't i was kind of following along but stopped watching because i think it's just one of those nights for your mental health you can tune out a little bit and <laughs> it was uh yeah for the best
0: yeah, and we mentioned uh, the doubleheader alignment uh, in game one on Sunday. And by the way, the first ever 7 8 doubleheader the Braves have been in. Um, so that was a, a landmark occasion today. Um, in the opener, they went with Ozuna in the outfield, and then Marquez was DHing, and Ender was back in the lineup, as we talked about before. Seemingly, just to, just to, you probably just didn't want Marquez playing the field for two, two games in a row at age 36. Um, I totally understand all that. Um, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name right now. It's uh, Wascar Enoa. That's what I'm going with. That's what the pronunciation with what the pronunciation guide says. I went I, an, an entire deep dive, by the way, uh, along with Chris Willis of uh, Talking Chop Fame on the pronunciation. So I'm going with that. Hopefully that's right. Um, but anyway, he gets to start as the opener. In effect, it was his third major league appearance overall. Uh, got through two and a third innings. Uh, did leave two runners on and one of them scored to go down to go down one nothing. But uh, not too bad, I will say and then from there it was pretty much just the offense exploding for two straight games.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean it was it was impressive for a guy who probably didn't have a real great idea of what he was doing this week until a couple of days ago. Um I think with Anoa you've seen the stuff is good. It plays up. I think ultimately his big league role is is probably that of a middle reliever or kind of one of these hybrid guys who have really gained some traction recent years, Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, wherever it may be. Um, And again, in a season like this, if he's a guy who has the stuff to be an opener, get a lineup one time through, probably not going to leave him out there much longer, at least shouldn't leave him out there uh, too much longer. But um, for a game when the Braves knew they were going to be a little weird in this shortened doubleheader, uh, he did a commendable job given the circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's all I needed, honestly, because was to just get something um, out of that spot, not get killed. And uh, the rest of the day was just offense, offense, offense. Uh, Ronald Acuna had himself a day on Sunday. Uh, first, he bombed in the fifth of the opening game. And by the way, after a ridiculous bun attempt by Ender that was uh, rightly ridiculed <laughs> on Twitter, uh, I want to forget that one right now. Uh, I just want to make sure we pointed that out. It was just not fun. Uh, but Ronnie bombs to go up to to go up two to one, and then moments later, Adam Duvall, there's that man again with a uh, three run double to take a 5-1 lead, and uh, it was smooth sailing from there. The only other note that I wanted to make from the first game was that Will Smith pitched, again, for the first time. Uh, He threw seven pitches, which is kind of funny. Um, But then from there, it was Tomlin and Melanson, and they finished it off pretty quietly. I had no takeaways from the first game other than that. Like It was just kind of a breezy win once they put up that five spot, and that's how it's supposed to work.
1: Yeah, for as bad as the offense looked on Friday night and as bad as the offense was in the first couple innings of, of Saturday's game, Uh, or Sunday's first game, rather. Um, It felt like once Acuna hit that home run, uh, the gorilla got off everybody's back a little bit. Guys were pressing. They were missing. Made a note. I mean, I swear that they were just missing fastballs right down the middle of the pipe um, and just not hitting them. Um, At some point, you knew the offense was going to break through, and as you said, um, Adam Duvall, once again, whenever he's in there, it seems like good things happen. And um, I do want to give a shout-out to Josh Tomlin, who has been awesome this year. He was a guy who... Maybe a month ago, we weren't even sure was going to make the roster. Again, of course, some things changed, but um, for a guy who was good in his role last year as kind of an innings and garbage uh, garbage time eater, uh, Tomlin has been awesome. He worked the uh, effectively the eighth inning in today's game, which was the sixth. Um, and again, he is who he is. He's not necessarily going to strike people out. He did walk someone today. was a little bit of a surprise, but he's going to throw strikes and see if you hit it, and so far he's been really, really big this year.
0: Yeah, by the way, uh, Tomlin is striking out people this year which is bizarre he never yeah. does that but in nine innings he has 12 strikeouts that's like very strange for him he doesn't yeah. really do that uh has one walk but again nine in nine innings two hits one walks 12 12ks 12 and no runs yeah i mean not sustainable at all but uh <laughs> really really good for josh tomlin so shouts to him we are uh i would say uh supportive of the josh tomlin experience so oh yeah there yep. you go on that uh game two was uh much more breezy we'll go uh we'll go offense first as i mentioned before acuna had a great day um he hit two more home runs so three on the day in back-to-back innings was fifth in the sixth he had two home runs um he was unconscious today and also freddie freeman who's been up and down i would say uh charitably so far this year went six for eight today with a home run a triple yes a triple and two doubles so uh the best two players on the team went kind of uh, ballistic today, and they would have won probably either game without them going ballistic, but uh, it, made it, very, it made it a lot easier for them to go crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was clear that um, Ronald is on a tear right now. He's a guy who's always been streaky. He's somebody who started slowly, too, uh, last year and then picked it up. And, again, whenever you saw – I mean, the ball just sounds so different coming off his bat, and those two opposite field homers today in game two were – I mean, his, really his swing his, – yeah it's unreal i mean it, he i almost wonder i mean of course he uh famously in the home run derby kept going opposite field and everyone's like what the hell is this guy doing i really think his, he has more pure power to the opposite field which is just uncanny for a guy like that but the way his swing as violent as his swing is um again he's despite the quote-unquote slow start he's now up to a 154 wrc plus all the year <laughs> That'll which play. is uh, pretty pretty good for a 22 year old um, and then Freddie again, as you said, he's had, he had that great game about a week ago. Uh, I think he had four hits in a game. And then, again, today, the six hits, he's up to a 150, uh, 158 WRC+. So, again, it's just kind of a reminder of how early we still are. And, again, it's weird that after, what, what is this, 15, 16 games, we're like a third of the way done with the season, a fourth of the way done. But, yep. um, again, good players are going to find their stride. And it was a, it was nice to see those two guys kind of – uh, pick it pick things up a little bit today
0: for sure and they were great um, we should mention the uh, the pitching and that was led uh, by Max Freed the team's one and potentially only starter uh, <laughs> uh, five innings four hits one walk six K's for Freed he was very good and cruising and no trouble really at all in this game uh, not really much else to say about that obviously the yeah. pressure is on him in a big way and he's been responding to it so far by being awesome um I don't want to put too much on him, but obviously the Braves are going nowhere if he's not incredible, basically, the rest of the way. Um, (laughs) So he's got to be, and he's been so far.
1: He has. uh, I I want to give him a whatever, a shout-out. for. He had a huge situation uh, with Bryce Harper in the bases. Oh, yeah. Um, And he got Bryce to pop up, and it was a good pitch. He went down 2-0 to Bryce with the bases loaded and I, I actually it, wonder so. if
0: they were if they were thinking about going to uh the bullpen in that spot at some point because yeah. like there was a discussion I know on Twitter with people that I think are smart about like maybe you go to mentor in that spot because Freed was not looking his best at that moment yeah. and uh obviously Harper is Harper but they stay where they want they stay where they needed to go and uh, he got it done yeah
1: yeah my one thought with that was because you have a doubleheader and you have another game tomorrow it seemed yep. like I don't think Shane Green ever warmed up today. He might have been a guy who was kind of off limits, if you will, because you do have a baseball game and 24 hours you have to handle. But, again, Max was fantastic, uh, has been really one of the best pitchers in baseball, not just obviously, as you said, for the Braves. He's going to be uh, kind of unfairly the the uh, go-to guy because of the injuries and everything. But, um, again, for him to continue taking a step forward is really one of the game's better young lefty pitchers is is really encouraging.
0: Yeah, so far Max Freed four starts, twenty-two and two-thirds innings, four earned runs, six walks, twenty-one strikeouts, ERA of yep. one point five nine. So yep. uh, lights out, and that's what they need. And obviously he's been doing it so far. Okay, yeah. um, that's that'll do it for the games. Obviously, uh, I guess we'll just reset now. The Braves are eleven and six they're on a 105 win pace which is not sustainable I don't think but uh you know that that is what it is as of this moment in time Scott 538 projects the Braves to finish with a 34 and 26 record that may not sound incredible but that's an 89% chance to win the to make the playoffs and uh a better better than 50% chance to win the division so you're in a great spot obviously the standings look bizarre in the National League East because of the games that are not being played by the Marlins and the Phillies but the Braves are in great shape at
1: 11-6 yep eleven and six. They're eleven and four in games when they don't have to face Jacob Degrom. For my money, <laughs> the best pitcher on the planet. Again, yep. I know that everybody is probably a little better if they they took away their starts against uh, the best pitchers in baseball. But yeah, I mean, it's again, to to uh, circle back, this team, considering everything that's going on, it's really pretty damn impressive that they're eleven and six. Um, they've played a pretty tough schedule so far. It's not like they're beating up on the. Uh, the the bad teams and the AL and NL central or anything like that. So um, again, it, it's going to be a grind all year long because the schedule is so difficult. But um, as we've talked now that they're up to 11 and six, you would think that you mentioned the playoff percentage, if they can just hold serve. And even if they're 500, the rest of the way, oh, yeah, they're I in. think that'll, that'll <laughs> get them. In, yeah. That gets them in the dance. And then again, this year's so funky. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to put uh, too, too much stock in, in playoffs, just given the circumstances. But uh, they've been really good so far.
0: It's still it's still nice to make it. And obviously that, that's really the only goal. I mean, I think winning the division, of course, is what everybody wants to do. But in this weird season, I think just making the division would be more than enough. Uh, sorry, yeah. making the playoffs would be more than enough, um, especially given the pitching situation, et cetera. But. To your point, I, I think 500, they would cruise to the playoffs. They can go below 500 at this point and yeah. make the playoffs the rest of the way. So that's obviously a long way away. Um, we're hoping anyway that the full season gets played, but they're in obviously uh, great shape here. One of will sort of set the stage there. Uh, last thing before we look ahead to the schedule for next week and beyond is uh, people were talking about this a lot. and, and I know you brought it up in our, uh, in our background discussions. Let's talk about third base for a second because third base, obviously there's been a lot of attention on the outfield. There's been a lot of attention on uh, other things, obviously starting pitching. Third base, uh, Austin Riley and Johan Camargo have been a discussion point, but because of the roster situation early in this uh, restarted season or starting late season, however you want to put that, um, we kind of knew that both guys were going to play quite a bit, so there wasn't as much of a discussion point about what that was going to look like. And even now, with Ozzy Albis on the shelf, you've seen Camargo at second base, you've seen Riley in the outfield. Like There's been places to put these guys, but uh, at third base this year, it's not going very well. Uh, obviously the Braves have managed to win a lot of games without this is without these guys doing much, but uh overall third base has been a mess and I wanted to uh, tee you up to talk about it.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, and you you nailed it with if the team was was 4 games under 500, I think it might be a different conversation. So clearly they want to get the most out of third base as they can, but things are still going well. Um I think it's a fascinating situation I think you do too because after today's game Uh, They are 27th in baseball in third base war. Um, They are at negative 0.1 war for the year. And again, you're only talking about two and a half weeks worth of games, but that is pretty bad. Um, Combined, they are hitting 158, 235, 316 with a 54 WRC plus. They're striking out in a third of their plate appearances. I will say the defense has been really good from both guys, from Riley and Camargo. But when you're talking about um, a shortened season where every game matters a little bit more, that is really, really bad. And frankly, they need more from those two players.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's well said, I would say. I mean, I don't know. I'm obviously kind of a Riley skeptic overall when compared to the baseline of Braves fans. I think he's a good prospect. I've always thought that. But at the same time, I, th- I think he's never been like, this guy can't miss guy. I think there's a lot of um, uncertainty, let's just say. With Riley, I think the power is obviously real. When he came in and mashed early last year, I had my guard up, and uh, that proved to be right, I think, eventually. I think, you know, in a vacuum, it'd be a good time to play him a lot because the season's so weird, et cetera. But, I don't know, I think Snicker is going to play Camargo more if Riley struggles. I think, ultimately, Snicker's going to sort of defer to the more veteran guy. I know Camargo's not like a really a veteran, but he's been around for a longer time. Um, his defense is probably a little bit better. Um, although Riley is okay, it's not like he's bad defensively. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just really weird, and I don't really have a solution. I think obviously using Camargo at second base right now some is a good idea with Ozzy out. Um, but eventually, you would obviously we're hoping that Ozzy's back in. And uh, do you want to platoon them? I don't even. I'm, and that, that, that that doesn't really work that well either, considering what Camargo's strengths are uh, versus Riley's. I'm not sure what the answer is. I think I would just defer to just like playing Riley every day to see what you have, at least at least that, that might put you in a, in a situation where you can make a decision for the long term, because short term matters more right now. But long term, you know, the plan has been Austin Riley at third base long term. But if he's not the guy, they need to figure that out as soon as they can. I'm not saying you give up on him this year if he's bad, but uh, you know eventually you have to start looking around if he's not going to be your guy in, in capital letters long term. So I would lean there, but I mean, I don't have a good answer. People, are, people always ask us like, what we think about third base, and I, I really don't know. I think I lean to just playing Riley until you can't play Riley anymore, but I'm not like married to that either. Yeah, well, uh, it brings
1: a fascinating decision for the Braves because I think looking forward, as you said, kind of the long-term outlook, you need to know what you have with Riley because in the best case scenario, Riley is – even if he's not a star, but he is a serviceable, passable third baseman, uh, solid defense, going to hit you know, 25, 30 homers, not too much yep. else. But he's a playable everyday or mostly everyday guy. You would happily take that given the other yep. talent on the roster. But so far, other than two and a half crazy weeks last year when they were effectively hitting golf balls – you know, when everybody and their brother had 30 homers, he's been really, really bad, unplayable, and, and he continues to play because it makes sense. If this was the 2015 Braves, who were three, four years away, you play Riley every single day, no question, because what do you have to lose, right? You're, you know, you're 15 games out of first yep. place. You're not trying to win a division. You're not trying to win a World Series. Totally. Agree. But in this shortened year, you're trying to win every game. Clearly, even if you don't think a world series is likely. And I think that went down dramatically without Soroka. You're still trying to win a division. You're still trying to make a run. I think Camargo gives you a better player every day right now, or at least most days, depending on who the pitcher is, but you have to know going into 2021 and beyond what your third base situation is. And if Riley's sitting the bench and it's, I think it's fairly clear the Braves don't love Johan Camargo, nor do you or I, or most folks, um, <laughs> You're never going to know unless you give Riley regular at-bats, but of course that means that you're effectively getting, at least so far, um, outside of a couple of hanging breaking balls that he's gotten a hold of Yeah, n- next to nothing offensively.
0: I mean, that that's part of the thing is that we know what Riley can do when there's a pitch on the tee for him. Um, the power is obviously real. Everyone knows that. But at the same time, the guy has a 44 WRC plus this year. He's striking out 30, 37% of the time. He is walking a decent amount, but it's and I want to I want to be cautious and say it's a very small sample size. I know we, they've played several games, but Austin Riley has 43 plate appearances this year, so it's not like this is a situation where you just like strike him off because of uh because yeah. of this season. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's too early, and, and I'm just saying Absolutely. from the point of someone I think has been a skeptic to the to this point in time compared to everybody compared to most people, I should say not not everybody. Um, I've been a little lower on him. I'm not telling you he's bad now. I'm just saying the signs are not great. He is young. He's 23. It's not like he's like over the hill, but there's just, there's some decisions to be made here. Again, I think I would still just plan because Camargo, like to your point, I've also been a little bit more skeptical of Camargo than people were. I think people have started to come up, come around to our side on this one. Now that we've seen him basically be unplayably bad for two years. Um, and again, Camargo has been better than Riley this year by a small amount, but it's still not good at the plate. And last year he was really bad at the plate, so I don't know. There's no good option. I think I wish it was a I wish beyond hope that they were actually like a natural platoon together, but they're not um, because of where Camargo's splits h- historically are. So yeah. uh, there isn't an easy solution, which is unfortunate. It's no,
1: not. It is not. And again, I mean, the team is clearly doing okay with with minimal yeah. production. It hasn't mattered for them, and um, but again There, there's a long term and a short term with everything, and these two things kind of conflict, right? I I think in a best case scenario, Riley would emerge, and again, like you said, guy has 40 plate appearances. It's not like he has two years worth of of chances here, and we're like, you know what? I just don't think it's going to happen for Austin Riley, everyday third baseman. Um, I mean, even with
0: that said, like as much as he played, especially if like he played last year, the guy in his career right now has like 340 plate appearances which is like Mm -hmm. a half season of full-time baseball. And by the way, he's still slugging 455 in his major league career. It's just that everything else has been terrible. Like, he still has 20 home runs in 340 plate appearances, which is a lot. Like, he he might just be – he might be one of those guys that you need to just play every day and hope he runs into 30 home runs and does, Mm -hmm. like, nothing else for you. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think of an example right now of someone that's like that about major league baseball where – I mean, maybe it's like what Adam Duvall was in Cincinnati – like when yeah. adam duvall like made that all-star team because he just made he just mashed a bunch of home runs that one yeah. year and duvall is better than that overall like we, we are duvall fans on this podcast but maybe it's just a guy who if he plays every day for a full season he'll hit he'll hit you 30 35 home runs yep. but nothing else would be great and the braves would take that i think but the problem oh, yeah. is the problem is right now even with again even with 20 home runs in his major league career in a you know, maybe a little bit more than a half season of play. He is an 81 WRC plus in his career. Yeah. That's not, I mean, that's, that's not going to, I mean, that's not going to work. It's just not, I mean, even with the, even with the power, that's not enough. It can't can't only be that there's a certain baseline level of stuff that you have to be able to do beyond. And again, his defense is not that bad. Like he's a big athletic dude that moves well. Like I was, I think I was, I was probably too low on his defense at times. I kind of trust him defensively. He's not going to be incredible, but he's fine. Um, but you just got to get on base, man. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, I'm, not, I'm not even sure what, what else to say about it. Then I mean, you just got to get on base.
1: No, I mean you're right. The defense has improved, and again, he's you know he's 23 years old. He's going to spend the entire yep. year at 23. It's not like he's 28. Um, But yeah, I mean you talked about guys. He kind of reminds you of Adam Duvall in Cincinnati. Um, Miguel Snow is somebody who's kind of, and even if he isn't quite as good as Miguel Snow, but looking at Miguel Snow, he strikes out in a third of his plate appearances, but he has a career 500 slugging percentage. If that's who Austin Riley can be, yeah, he's going to strike out, but he's going to run into 25 homers and play passable defense. I think the Braves take that. You throw him in the sixth or seventh spot in your order, um, you can live with that. But so far, again, other than the the two or three just insane weeks where he went scorched earth last year, he's pretty much been the same guy of minimal contact. It's not even hard contact. It's just no contact. Um, And and it's just you you hope there's another gear. Again, I think playing him is only going to – uh, tell you a little bit more about who we can be. Um, but as you said, there, there's really no perfect solution for this right now.
0: Yep. So, uh, I know that that might've been a uh, interesting detour for some, but I wanted to make sure we talked about it after you brought it up and, uh, Yeah, it hasn't mattered. That's the bright side, is that the Braves have been this good without those guys doing really anything. And uh, so that's not a problem. And by the way, catcher has been good, which I want to point out. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, But catcher, as usual, the Braves just somehow, every year, figure out catcher, and it always, for some reason, works. Um, Okay, we'll save save that for a future episode. Uh, Last thing, this week coming up, uh, the final game in the series against Philly on Monday, and then two in New York against the Yankees. But, as you graciously pointed out to me, uh, no Garrett Cole or James Paxton. That's a win for the Braves. Uh, obviously, they can still lose those games. The Yankees are really good. Um, but that, and by the way, the headliner of the week for me, the first off day of the season, obviously the Braves were off on Friday because they got rained out, but they weren't supposed to. They were, they were not actually off. They were at the ballpark. Uh, no game. No scheduled game on Thursday after 20 straight. So uh, there's that. And then Miami after that. By the way, I would not want to go to Miami right now. But there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> the first place Miami Marlins are now tied. The, the standings are so weird, as you said, but with-
0: I'm pulling them up right now. I'm pretty sure the Marlins still had the win percentage lead over the Braves coming into no, they're uh yeah, they still do. So hilariously, the Braves are 11 and six, right? The Braves have a half game lead in the games column, but they actually have a worse percentage than oh. the Marlins because the Marlins are seven and three. So the Marlins have played uh, seven fewer games than the Braves. Um, So I'm not sure what happens. Like if the season ends today, do the Braves lose the division because the Marlins have a better winning percentage, even though the Braves are ahead in the games column? I don't know how that works. But the showdown of the NL East this weekend between the Marlins and the Braves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, the Marlins are – I was perplexed. I was tweeting, and I forget who originally made the point. But I'm kind of surprised that there's been this uh, nationwide – from at least national baseball writers celebration of this Marlins hot start. I mean, they're seven and three, but four I mean, of those, they have, again, they have
0: but... stars and aces. Just ask John Hammond. They have stars. That's they have true. aces,
1: Miguel have Rojas leaders. Yeah. So, yeah. But again, you know, obviously they have four against Baltimore. They, they won two out of three against the Phillies on opening week, which feels like forever ago, even though it was just, you know, what 17 days ago. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to come back to earth a little bit. As you said, it's a chance for the Braves to see a team that is technically in first place right now. Um, and again, it's huge to miss in a shortened season like this. The difference between seeing Garrett Cole and not seeing Garrett Cole uh, is Big. huge. Um, they might also miss Tanaka, depending on what the Yankees do. They have a day off on Monday. Um, you know, The difference, if, if things get down to it at the end of the year, the difference between your pitching matchup could be the difference between seed in the playoffs. it could be difference between first and second place in the division. Um, So nice break there to be sure.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about that more. Uh, You know, we're on this incredible run of having midweek podcasts on, on accident. Unfortunately, a lot of them have been negative uh, this week, especially with Soroka and the reaction to that. But uh, we will have at least one podcast this week. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the middle of the week or in our normal Sunday slot, but uh, we'll we'll be here Uh, again. If you missed anything from this week, we had three shows in a four day period between uh, me and Eric then me, very short, and then Grant and Eric, and now uh, you and I today, a week later. So our fourth show in eight days, we're on fire with the podcast. But please subscribe. Please, please, please subscribe. We've had a really uh, encouraging buy-in from listeners and fans. I really appreciate all of that. In fact, we are uh, near the top, if not the top, in terms of monthly in, uh, in our history of the podcast. So that's been fun. Uh, definitely love to see that. But please go ahead and subscribe. Leave five-star feedback, etc. Follow Scott if you'd like to. Scott, you are uh, at Ooh. Scott call 55 Is that correct?
1: that is the one yes
0: follow this man for uh, angry arizona tweets occasionally <laughs> and then uh baseball that people st. hate louis, you for
1: yeah st. louis blues hockey playoffs here we go oh yeah
0: hockey playoffs here that means you'll be that means you'll be insufferable and i have to i have to, I have to remember, remember, remember to like mute you like nightly yep
1: is uh, everyone's best friend yep it's like when mention. I it's
0: like when I tweet about Michigan football on Saturdays. It's going to be a, it's very similar to that I one. Have to, no one cares. I'm just yelling at the I void. Have to,
1: I have to admit, I think I muted the Atlanta Hawks uh just across the board like the muted words. Oh, that's fine. That's the right. That's the right I thing I to do. Yeah. Just, you <laughs> know, but hey.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I mean, that's the thing with uh following the uh, we're, we're in the rabbit hole, but that's fine. Uh this is the, that's the thing with following people that all uh like or follow or cover the Braves is that you get all of their other teams. Like, Scots are interesting, because Scott does not live in Atlanta, but I would say most, maybe not most, a lot of Braves fans are Falcons fans, and Hawks fans, and Georgia fans, and whatever, whatever else. Then you get some Panthers fans in there, in the NFL. I know uh, shots are a couple of Panthers fans that I I, I know of. And then you get the uh, other crossovers. Uh, You get Arkansas, and Auburn, and Clemson, and everywhere else. I don't know. It's quite a smattering in Braves country. The Braves are a, uh, a national fan base, Scott. Breaking news. They are.
1: I mean, again, it, like I've said before, growing up, I grew up in the Midwest, in Missouri, it was easier to watch a Braves game on TV every night than it was to watch a Kansas City Royals game. And they were an hour and a half away from our house. So,
0: Well, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, and I can't remember who it was now. There was a really, really, really bad idea on... Uh, on like a shortened baseball season where they took like only weird markets. This is like a week ago now. I can't remember who it was. It was an, it was, it was an NFL writer, and his uh, reported objective was to take the big markets in baseball. But he included the Astros and he included the like the team the teams, the teams with, oh, with, with big with big fan bases. Uh,
1: Patriots. It was the Patriots beat right? Yeah, yeah,
0: but like it Giants. was like
1: San Francisco Giants.
0: He, he he picked like this really really like ridiculous eight team field. And with no criteria, I was like, okay, well, surely he'll explain himself. Somebody asked him, and he was like, oh, I took the team, the team with the big fan bases. I was like, wait, you didn't include the Braves in a in a nationwide thing of the biggest fan bases? Yep. Like, you've I think you've lost your mind, my friend. Like, <laughs> Aside from maybe the Yankees and the Red Sox, I think uh, maybe the Cardinals. I think the Braves would be the third or fourth in terms of uh, volume of fans nationwide. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Probably you've lost your mind. Too, they yeah. do, but, like, they're all concentrated in – like. They're not, they're, I mean, I guess – because of Brooklyn, uh, the, Dodgers, yeah, the Dodgers are high on the list. But if you think there are more Astros fans than Braves fans in the world, you are huh. out of your ever yeah. loving mind. I'll tell you that right after,
1: now. After uh, three good years, yeah, all of a sudden... The Astros
0: famously Astros. had like 0.0, 0 TV ratings when they, when they were so bad. Remember uh, yep. Before they got good, there were yep. stories about how few people watched their baseball games on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves could be the worst team in the world and they're going to rate on TV because people watch the Braves. That's what happens. Yep. Anyway, that's one I heck think. of a rabbit hole around the podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say, we watched the second half of the 2015 season. We how bad things can get, and we still tune in.
0: Yeah, huh. we absolutely uh, watched all of that, which is unfortunate. All right, Scott, <laughs> fo- follow Scott, follow the site, check out all of our written content, follow Eric, follow Grant McCollough, who was gracious enough to join us this week, and uh, we'll be uh, back again. Uh, I'm, I'm, not really sh- I'm not exactly sure when, but in the next few days, so stay tuned. All <laughs>